Show me the science with Professor Luke O'Neill. Hello, Luke O'Neill here and welcome to my show, Me The Science Podcast. Now, this week, I've come across something I've been following, actually, for the past few years. It is the biggest study ever on happiness. So we're going to do the science of happiness, maybe cheer you up as you listen in. A very slippery thing to define, of course, what happiness is. But there's been a massive study running since 1938, following 700 men. Note the word men there. They were men in Harvard, who in 1938 were recruited into this huge study. It's called a longitudinal study because it's been going on for years and years. And they've been following these men in their lives and trying to figure out what was it about their lives that made them happy or unhappy or depressed or whatever it might be. And the latest report has just come out. A book's been written, actually. It's called the good life uh, which describes some of these findings now i think it's a great topic that we're all very interested in, isn't it you know we all like to know what can i do in, in my personal life that might make me feel more fulfilled and more content and uh, there's some interesting findings as i'll explain now of course with everything scientific you must start off with a definition what is happiness this may sound a bit strange but you have to define your, your variables as we call them in science so happiness is a state of contentment and satisfaction and contentment is a very important word here because being content with something means you're pretty, you know, satisfied and you feel things are going well for you. Now, of course, as with most things, happiness is hard to pin down in a more general sense because there will be periods when you feel fed up. Like, for example, I've been sitting here with Owen and the technology wasn't working. I was getting very unhappy. But now I'm happy because he managed to flip a switch and magically all, all the lights came on. So you will feel periods of, oh, you don't feel great, you know. Whereas contentment is more deep, I suppose, in a more lasting sense of a good sense of well-being, I guess you might call it. So that's what happiness is, a sense of contentness and satisfaction. Now, of course, the question then is what makes people happy? What in their lives can they do to ensure happiness? Now, what they did was they followed these 700 men. The reason it's men is it began in 1938, incredibly. There were no women uh, in Harvard. These men were Harvard students. And because there were no women in Harvard, they couldn't recruit women onto the study. But as the study went on, the men's lives would uh, evolve or whatever and develop. And it's fascinating to see what happened to all these men anyway in their lives. It's kind of a real analysis of the human condition, you might say. Many got married, so they included their spouses. They became part of it as well. So women were eventually part of it. And if they had children, then they would also be part of it. It was 1,300 extra people were assessed over this period. And then they got criticised quite early on, actually, saying, look, you're dealing with a very elite group here, these Harvard men. I mean, how can that possibly be generalisable to the general population? Because if you're in Harvard, you're very well to do, especially in 1938. So they added in 500 men from a lower socioeconomic groups in Boston because obviously the ones in Harvard were more well-to-do. And that was important, so it made it more diverse, I guess, is the idea. And they followed all these people. I mean, it's a striking study because the men had to fit in these questionnaires every two years, a very detailed questionnaire about their state of mind in the broadest sense. Also, what they were doing in their lives, what job they had, where they married in relationships, all that stuff was in the questionnaire. And then every five years, they did a big health check and they measured things like cholesterol or cardiovascular function or various measurements of their overall health status were measured as well. And all that data then was analysed, right? And then the bottom line is going to be, as you'll hear in a few minutes, happiness is about your interpersonal relationships. Now, we're in the no SH1T Sherlock world there to some extent, but even still, they're a bit surprised. They thought maybe they would get a correlation with, say, wealth. In other words, if you have loads of money, you're going to be more happy. Or maybe your status, the job you have if you're a senior lawyer in a law firm or if you live in a big flash house or you drive a 
fantastic car or whatever. None of those correlated with health and happiness. It was their interpersonal relationships. And that's, that's the final conclusion, which I'll tell you a little bit more about in a minute. Now, in the questionnaire, I found that a fascination. They were asked to write about their fears, their hopes, their disappointments in the previous uh, two years. You know, all these things were asked of them, you know, their accomplishments and all that kind of thing. And you get a great snapshot here of the human condition from this. Now, some became doctors, some became lawyers, some became business people. One of them, get this, in 1938, one of these 700 students was none other than John F. Kennedy himself. He was a student at Harvard at that time. And he took part very diligently. He filled in the forms every two years, had his health checked. He became the president of the US. You see, so that was one successful outcome at one level. Of course, poor old JFK then was assassinated and, and had various health problems, as people may know as well. But he was one of the people in, in this study, you see. And then they put all the data in, they analysed it closely. There were also people who, who became mentally ill, schizophrenia in some people, alcoholics, some of those, some people became alcoholics. So it was a great sort of range of different things uh, emerge as the time goes by and they can now analyse them. Now, what was the findings? Well, it's a robust study because there were so many people assessed. And as I've often said, the more people you see in these studies, the better, because it's more representative of the general population. Uh, and one big thing they found was your state of um, your marriage or your closest interpersonal relationship at the age of 50 was a better predictor of your health at 80 than cholesterol. Now, that's a striking finding. If you've got high cholesterol when you're 50, there's a really good chance you're going to have heart disease by the time you're 80 in that 30-year period. What they noticed was if you were in a happy marriage, a happy relationship, that was a protector against cardiovascular problems, even if you had high cholesterol. That just shows you. So basically what's going on there is if you have got a pretty content in your relationship with your spouse, mainly it was spouses, that was a protector for your health overall and as good a predictor of your overall health status. And that was one very clear finding from that study. They think it's partly to do with if you're in a happy relationship, you can tolerate stresses more. You're more resilient. You've got a wing woman or wing man, as the case may be, I guess. And, and that capacity then to build resilience in the face of vicissitudes. Because remember, all the lives in this study had tough times. There were business people whose business failed. There was health issues for some of them. There'd be all kinds of trauma, just the, the vicissitudes of life, you see. But if you were in a, a happy relationship when you were 50, that was a protector. That made you feel happier, no matter what the life circumstances were, is, is the kind of um, finding from that. The other thing they noticed was if you're in a stressful relationship or a toxic relationship, or most of all, if you're lonely and you're not in a relationship that's important to you, that was a massive negative. And in fact, loneliness was as big a risk factor for ill health as smoking and excess drinking. And we know those are two big, big risk factors for your, your health. So loneliness was identified as a huge thing. And the reason for loneliness was interesting. What they noticed was people who prioritise their careers, and this remembers a very high-end group of people, these, all these Harvard graduates, if you focus on your career too much, that often damages your relationship because you're not there enough with your wife or your husband, whatever it is. Uh, you lose contact with friends because you're focusing on your career. You're driving for a successful career. Those people often ended up lonely. Lesson there for us all. But the thing is, if you focus on your career too much, that can damage your relationship. And in fact, one thing that I also conclude is paying attention to your relationships is extremely important. You can't just expect them to keep running along. Make contact with friends. Go for that walk. Go for that cup of coffee. Go for a pint, whatever it is. Join a football team. I mean, all this was in the study. Book clubs were good. Church groups were good. All of those social activities 
were very beneficial. And the study calls this social fitness. And that means, you know, being socially active, I suppose, and being fit in your social life is one way to think of it. And like a sport, you've got to stay fit. In this case, you've got to maintain those relationships. Another one I liked was um, avoid toxic people. Now, we all have toxic people in our lives and we all have different toxic people. I'm sure I'm toxic to some people and, you know, I have people who are a bit toxic to me, but avoid them. They're the big negative. And especially as you get older, they will drag you down and that will give rise to a lot of unhappiness if you're hanging out with toxic people all the time. You feel obliged to look after them, I suppose, and be with them and yet they're dragging you down. So so one study was uh, to avoid that. And in fact, in the book that's just come out about this, it's called The Good Life, they talk about taking stock. Take stock of all your relationships. You can do a questionnaire actually and list all the people who you're close to and then rate them in various ways and come up with a score. If the score is bad, that's a toxic person. And Now, of course, you could try to improve things, I suppose, um, and make it less toxic, but still watch out for that. Take care. Now, you got to work at relationships and maybe turn a toxic one into a better one. But the message there was, if you work at the relationships, it's really good, you know. And, and literally, it does say things like, and as you get older, of course, and anybody listening who's a bit older, you might be reluctant to call up your friend and go for a walk or whatever. Call up the friend, go for a walk, you know. We, we all get a bit hesitant sometimes, don't we? But that's a really important to maintain that relationship is really, really good for you overall. And they talk about prioritising social ties and that we should all try to prioritise those ties because it's such a long study. They notice when you're younger, you need more of a social network, if we call it that. The more friends you have in your 20s, the better. As you get older, a few close is all you need. You don't need loads of friends, just a few close, intimate friends. For some reason, having more friends when you're younger is a protector, or at least will make you a bit feel more content. When you're older, you need a lot less. So don't worry if you're in your 50s or 60s and you You've got a couple of mates or whatever, that's fine. So so that, that there seems to be an age dependency in that, which is what, what I quite like. Now, of course, as I say, the study has been criticised because what they've said is it's a very exclusive little group of people that we're dealing with here. So therefore, these, these rules only apply to if you've been to Harvard. Well, the good news is all through the decades, other studies were done by different scientists uh, with other groups that are more diverse and they get a similar conclusion. So all these studies agree it is your interpersonal relationships that count most of all. Now, I'm talking by far and away most of all. So people are striving to make loads of money, say, or striving for status. That will not bring you happiness. That's what this study tells us. Of course, you can be miserable in comfort, as someone said to me, but the thing is, you've got to have these relationships in work, in your personal lives, to be truly content, you see. And that uh, strikes me. We've got to quote a few songs, which I always like doing, you know. And so, for example, the Beatles had a song called Happiness is a Warm Gun. That's not true. I think uh, the great Beatle lyric that really applies here is from the album Abbey Road, the end, when they sing at the very end, and in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. And that's what this is really about, you know. In other words, you've got to be looking out for people, looking out for relationships, looking out for others, really. And in fact, in the book, what they say is people who had in their minds now, this is assuming the men in the study, the ones who are more unhappy and less content, they were more to think, what can I do for myself, right? Change that to, what can I do for the world beyond me? Now, this smacks actually of JFK, doesn't it? And as you may know, people listening may remember this. He said very famously, ask not what my country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. And that really is the essence of it. And I suspect JFK might have got that from this study. This notion that if you're helping others and you're engaged socially with others, even if you don't fancy it, even if you don't want to go down to volunteer for something, do it because it'll pay dividends and increase happiness, decrease loneliness and make your life a much more 
content thing. So the final message of all this is, as I just said, you know, maintain those social relationships, fit in this questionnaire if you want, get the scoring system, don't tell the people what score they get because I might offend them, and figure out where your priorities lie when it comes to your interpersonal relationships and that will make you a much more content person. Scientifically proven. And as you know, this is all about showing me the science and the data from this study is so robust and the other studies that confirm it independently all support that final conclusion. So you heard it here and I presume you knew it already. But still, I hope that will inform you and maybe help your life. You never know. So thanks very much for listening as ever. And my podcast is a News Talk production and it's available for download every Thursday.